Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about diversity and inclusion in financial services. As you may well be aware, we have created a mini-series focused on key topics to help leaders and listeners navigate these challenging times. And in this mini-series, we went back to many of our guests to hear their insights about really important topics. These have included leadership in times of crisis when I interviewed Dr. Katrina Wallace, how to manage the mental health of remote teams with Andy Gibson, and today we're talking all about how to present and sell well over digital channels. My guest today is Edie Lush. You'll have heard Edie at the start of last year when she joined us, having interviewed many of the great and good at Davos. Edie is a journalist, a podcast host, and she co-hosts the very successful Global Goalscast podcast, talking all about the world's sustainable development goals. And in addition, she is also a presentation coach. Now, aside from hosting Diversity Podcasts, I'm very proud to be the founder and the CEO of Streets Consulting, the business development, marketing and communications consultancy. Our core role is to devise and run campaigns to help clients grow. And a key element of this is how they communicate. So we have run a number of coaching services from media training and also our very successful Executive Shine programme, where we're proud to have been partnering with an award-winning stand-up comedian, Lara A. King, to curate improv skills and help people learn comedy skills, which are always helpful in meetings, negotiations on stages and on platforms. And we offer a lot of one-to-one coaching. We're very proud that for many years now, Edie Lush has coached many of our most senior clients in financial services and capital markets, helping them to become compelling, confident speakers. So Edie, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you back. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Thank you very much. Now, normally we'd be sitting in a meeting room with a camera and a plasma screen for playback. Uh, But of course, times have changed. So just remind us uh, what you do and how you help clients. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, maybe we're going to all divide up the world into pre-coronavirus and post-coronavirus. So pre-coronavirus, I did almost everything uh, one-to-one. I do have some clients that are around the world and for them, Skype training or training over Zoom or whatever your favorite video conference mechanism has been, I've always done some of that, but it's now moved a hundred percent to that. And that has taken a little bit of adjustment, I think, for everybody. Uh, you and I did a bit of that the other day. We'll talk about that. Um, and I also think that, and I actually, I've also just been booked to do my first emceeing job for an online conference in April. So that's exciting that that is also a world that is uh, that will be moving online. So, I, you know, I, what I do, I'm a journalist. You mentioned podcast host. Uh, I do emceeing and that's half of it. So it's either me opening my mouth or me helping other people open their mouths, whether that's for a TED talk, for a conference speech, for a job interview, getting promoted, doing tough meetings, having difficult conversations, really anytime you open your mouth. Have the, have the principles changed? Have they changed at all? Or is it still the same as, but it's now just online? Well, I think it's, always different when you don't have that individual ability to see the person in the room. I mean, it's very easy. I think both you and I are surrounded by, I mean, I have three screens around me. Uh, It's always difficult in a meeting when somebody 
when you sort of see somebody just reaching over and sending a quick text, that's quite annoying. But on the screen, on the screen version, it, it can be a little difficult to tell, to see if people are paying attention because they could be taking notes or they could be sending an email. So I think the principles that I teach people are actually even more important when you're dealing online video or even when you've got the video off when it's just audio. I think that all the principles of effective speaking and effective communicating become amplified in this digital world. So, so let's get into some of that then uh, in terms of uh, tips and tricks. What should people be thinking about? So I divide communication into two halves. The first is how you say it. And by that, I mean, are you looking and sounding confident and comfortable? If I've got you on video, do you look like you want to be there? If I've only got that audio, do you sound interested in what you're saying? Do you sound passionate? Or do you sound a little bit bored? Or can I just hear the nerves coming through in the voice? And so I talk people through five different techniques. So if you like, if you've got five digits on your fingers, on your hand, uh, you can use those five digits. The first one is thinking about posture and hands. So sitting up straight, using your hands for video, because it comes across as if you've got some energy. If you're pitching or doing a difficult conversation, I always, always, always stand up. And this just gets you loads more energy. Second is volume. So people think that if they're talking over the computer, oh, there's a microphone, it'll amplify you, but the microphone only amplifies what it's given. Obviously, I don't want you to shout into the microphone, but you do, when you increase the volume a touch, you do get those lower tones that, are, that give you more gravitas. Emphasis slows you down. It's brilliant if people tell you that you're speaking too quickly or you need to give yourself more time to think rather than slowing down like that, a brilliant technique is to emphasize more. And of course, my favorite is the pause, which does a whole host of things. I think one of the most important things it does is it turns a kind of diatribe, a download of information into actually what feels like a conversation. And even now, I'm pausing, I'm looking at the camera, and I can see you nodding, I know that you're with me. And that is, I think, really important on these video conversations. And then of course you have to think about your voice. So when we speak like this with one note, it can be very difficult to stay with us. And I just want to turn you off, right? Uh, so think about the whole vocal range that your voice has. And it's almost like a, a, a river. So the, the banks of the river, uh, in fact, in my book, uh, which I'll give a plug to, uh, my book, my, my co-author, Charlotte McDougall, always talks about this. The, the banks of the river are the consonants and then the vowels are the, the river itself. And so it's so much easier to listen to somebody who's choosing to move their voice around. So those are the, 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 um, the how you do it. I don't know. How does that resonate with you, Julia? Do you think those are the are good ones to tell people. 
It does. And, and I often, uh, I, I do quite a lot of radio actually with the BBC and uh, I'm very lucky to be invited to for a guest slot about once every five weeks on uh, on Radio Kent, actually. And it's fascinating because when you're in the studio with a DJ and, and watching a pro at work, exactly as you say, thinking about how they, I mean, they fit a three hour show. So part of it's about how they come across with their voice and the emphasis and everything you're saying. But there's also one thing that I've sort of learned with uh, conference calls as well is to almost treat a, a conference call or an engagement like a radio show. So if you're the main person who's called that is taking the chair and becoming or think of yourself as a radio DJ. So knowing this is what's coming up, this is where we're going to go next. Uh, then we're coming to the weather. <laughs> it might well be the technical team. It might be a industry perspective, whatever that is. And, and to be able to host it all the way through as well. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I completely and I think actually I think voice is one of the greatest gifts that we have, which is most underestimated, actually, in business. Totally, totally. And I think that just in terms of sticking with this world of video now, I think it's so important to, it can be quite difficult to look at the camera uh, because you sort of want to look down at the person in, in the box when they're on the box. But I do think it's important to spend some time looking directly into that camera because that is how you're connecting with the, the person on the other end. And at the end, anything you're doing online is about building a relationship just like it is in person. And we know that people buy people. So if you're buying into me as a person, because I'm making that attempt to get to know you uh, and making it even a little bit difficult for me, I think that it's really worthwhile. And, and also it's not a mirror. Mm. <laughs> the number of people I've been on where people are sort of doing their hair or, you know, kind of, uh, you know, to actually, and you can tell they're not really listening. They're just, they're just kind of look checking themselves out in many ways. So uh, uh, an important prompt. But also there's a there's another interesting dynamic, which is presenting as teams. Yeah. So, you know, we, we did this last week with the clients where for about four hours, I think we were co-coaching. Four and a half, I think, actually. <laughs> it was four and a half. It was good. And then it was. And, and the importance of essentially kind of throwing the ball to each other and yeah. knowing who's taking the lead at what point, who's picking up. Any any other tips you could offer? I think if you're presenting as a team, that whole idea of smiling when the other person is talking, nodding, if you want to jump in, raising your hand and and bringing the other person in from time to time. Got anything to add here? No. Carry on. Or yes, actually. And having some signals to... I think it's it's it really lovely when you're presenting as a team so that the people you're presenting to aren't just hearing one voice droning on. So having a an easiness at which you go back and forth, uh, which can require some planning as well. So you take this section, I'll take the next. But it doesn't have to be too difficult. And when you're doing it as a team, it's it's in some senses so much easier because you the burden isn't all on you. Well, and, and, and the preparations and the planning is, of course, is really key. I mean, I think about the preparation and planning we put into, you know, that, that, that four and a half hour session and, uh, and then thinking about, you know, what are our roles? What are our responsibilities? And actually, where do we back each other up? In terms of you take the lead on this. I've got a couple of things I might want to add exactly as you say. So, so let me in uh, if appropriate. But also the other important thing is um, to know when not to contribute. Uh, we've all heard people who all 
all they do simply is repeat the points that's been made, uh, which arguably is a waste of time and waste of energy just in order to have some airtime. So if you don't have anything to add, then you know have the grace to turn around and say, actually, no, in the interest of the call, uh, I, I, I completely echo everything that Edie's just said. Let's move on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm interested, you know, I'm really interested in this idea of people buying people. I mean, I actually wish I had a better phrase for it because it's pretty old and and I just wish I could say something slightly different. But I do think that it's incredibly important in this new era of we're not going to see each other in person for a while. And so Mm -hmm. how do we build these relationships? So I wonder from your perspective, as a, a coach, as somebody who does business development a lot, how do you think about that with with new clients or existing clients? How does that feed into your business? Yeah, well, I think this is really important. And I, I kind of come at this from a, a couple of angles. One of them was when I was at the brokerage firm Instanet, I was um, head of sales development for Europe. So part of what we needed to do is we were going to create really compelling marketing comms campaigns. We really needed to understand what the clients were thinking, you know, essentially what keeps awake at night. And also, therefore, how to present our products and services in a way that resonated. It's all about resonance and relevance, really, for the client. Um, And so I created a whole uh, coaching model, which we now do today, called consultative sales. So today's podcast, really, that's why I was really keen to get into part of it's about how you present and part of it's about the, the relationship of the consultative setting. So, and it is, it is a simple premise. And I've never seen this change for 13 years of running my own company, which is people do business with people and people do business with people they like. So the relationship matters uh, enormously. And there, there are sort of two follow-up kind of points that are really stick with me. So one of them is always seek first to understand before you are seeking to be understood. So is that like asking questions? It is partly asking questions. It is always about uh, the most important person on that call at any stage in the sales cycle is your client mm-hmm. or your prospect, uh, le- less so you. And then the, the uh, and, and so therefore, when you're thinking about the dynamic of who's dominating a call and who's dominating a conversation, it should really mostly not be you. But as salespeople, we tend to be, I've got products and services, I've got features and benefits, and I can't wait to throw them in your face. And people go, whoa, it's like a fire hose Mm. of stuff that you're trying to position to me. That also, to me, feels like anything that anybody else could say. So the key is to really understand what is it that keeps your clients awake at night. Seek to understand them first and then seek to be understood. And and a really, really fascinating way this was described to me, I can't take credit for it, which is decide... Which are you? Are you an elephant or are you a hippo? I mean, I'm I'm thinking about that and I don't know. <laughs> so it's all about the size of the of the Okay. And you want to be an elephant, right? So you need to be listening everything that your clients and your prospects say and don't say matters. So the pausing that you were just mm. talking about, actually about reading between the lines, really thinking about what they are, what they're saying. It's not just what they say to you; it's how they say it. It's the tone of voice. It is the energy that comes through the conversation. Because people could be saying saying the right things; they're very, very interested, but actually their voice could be telling you something completely. Mm. So is that about reflecting, reflecting back as well? What what you hear from them? 
Yeah, so there's a whole process. There's a whole flow that, that we follow. So the first is, before you go in, the preparation, right? So either individually or as a team, is think about the three to five things that keep your customers awake at night, that you know and that you don't know and therefore are keen to find out more. Now, in the world of financial services, of course, that is uh, industry dynamics, regulatory drivers, uh, corporate uh, change, teams, uh, technology, um, risk, uh, even down into the individual gate, am I going to get my bonus this year? Right. These are all the things that are keeping that person awake at night. And then think about how do you actually get them to share that with you? Uh, not admit to it, but actually to share that with you. And this is all about, as you say, op- asking the open questions that that kind of start saying, well, it's interesting because when we talk to people in the industry, what we're finding today is a lot of people are quite deeply concerned about, you know, the impact of, you know, co- well, coronavirus, right? And actually there are still, you know, we're cut, we're at the back of method two, we're still thinking about regulatory change and we're thinking about Brexit. And, and, and and is that something that you're, that you're particularly concerned with at the moment, or are you just focused on one of the above? And what you're then doing is you're is you're beginning to get them to co- confirm. And then when you get into that dialogue, is then to begin to bring evidence, not features and benefits, but evidence to support your conversation. Eventually, you may use the word gravitas. That says, isn't it interesting you say that? Because what we found is that there's some evidence out there that supports entirely your concern and also how people are addressing it and the impact so evidence and impact impact that that is playing of either changing not changing or uh or actually maintaining the status quo that impact really matters and of course what you're doing in all of that i haven't told you anything about my business at this point i haven't told you anything about features and benefits we're having a discussion and then, of course, when you get into suggesting your solution, you can then tailor it and position it in a very, very different way that isn't a shopping list of features and benefits. It's actually a response to the challenges your customers have talked about and that they've shared openly and willingly with you. And then you can get into, so how do we close this down? And a close isn't, here's a contract, will you sign it? It is permission to move to the next stage. And sales is basically a journey of incremental steps. So it's just an agreement to either be introduced internally to someone else, to follow up, to have your next call, to come back with something, to share something. That is all. Think of all of that as a close. And then you're on that journey. But what you've done is you've made it less about you and more about them. I really love that, actually. And one of the things that you were saying there when you were talking about evidence and impact reminded me of the other part of of communication that I like to work with people on. So we talked about the how you say it. And then the second half is what you say. And I think this is where so many people go very wrong. People, the most experienced people I've coached, CEOs, CMOs, somehow think talking in big ideas is the best way to do it. Whereas what we connect with as human beings is stories. And I'm not telling, saying, tell me a, you know, some story about your holiday, but I am saying, think about the examples you're going to give me. So when you said there, you know, we have some of my clients are are really worried about these things. Is that your experience as well? It's just, it's a, it's like a permission to, to share with you because you've already brought that experience up. And the evidence and the impact really backs that up. It really backs that up to say, you know, kind of, and, and you're, it's almost what you're saying is you're right to be concerned. I'm just affirming and confirming 
with the value that I bring from talking to many, many people across the industry, that you're not alone. And the great thing is there's an answer. So you're priming to have that conversation that says, actually, there, there is a way. And, and try to involve, uh, try to not to use the word solution because we have an answer, right? We, we have a response to that. We have, a, we have an opportunity and always talk in very positive language as well about having opportunities to address things and to, to make them better and to solve them without going, you know, kind of solution selling, which, is, uh, which can be very good. Mm, totally, totally. And of course, in all of that mix is how do you open up a conversation? How, how, how do you get started? And, and these are times when people are talking more like human beings than they've ever done before. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the phrase, how are you, is one of the most underrated phrases in the world, because you will always, always get it, right? You're always going to get, how are you? It's like a gift for me when I'm opening a meeting or, I mean, I used to I sort of feel like this pre-coronavirus world when I used to meet people one-on-one in real life. Uh, but even over video conference, when somebody says, how are you? I always have a couple of ideas to say. And the rules are, number one, it's not about the weather. And uh, number two, it's not... <laughs> It used to be it's not about my journey, like the tube journey that I took to get to you, uh, but it needs to be something different, something that actually surprises people, because that is how you immediately start to build a relationship with somebody is can just connect with them on a very human level. So thinking about what you just read in the paper or the thing you watched on Netflix last night since none of us are going out anymore <laughs> or you know, my exciting news today, which is that my, you know, Ocado has responded to my plea for <laughs> reinstating my, my food order or whatever it is. You know, I just took a walk to the park and saw, you know, some, some guys playing a very terrible game of socially distant f- football, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, you know, I think that it's a, um, it's a real gift. And if you can keep away from the business of business, for a while and build a relationship with people before you really get cracking, uh, then I think it's so, so useful. I mean, when, when you and I did the coaching the other day, we did some one-on-ones and in that one-on-one, we were teaching some of the techniques to people by getting totally away from business so that you don't, the whole point is you don't have to think about, God, what am I going to say? What is this business thing I'm supposed to be talking about? And really dealing with human issues. And I always find it's at that moment in the the training when people slightly relax because there's a point in which they realize that good communication is actually, it's just about bringing who you really are to the table. Nobody ever asked you when you started working to hang up your personality on a coat hook when you walked into your first job. But sometimes that does seem to be what happens. so, Julia, one of my coronavirus goals, I mean, that sounds like it needs a hashtag in front of it, is to learn more about personality tests and types, because I think that this is a fascinating part of training people, because I know that people have different ways of relating to people. I see it all the time, and I want to learn more. I know this is something that you do a lot in your training. So what are your thoughts about it? 
Yeah, we do. And in fact, uh, we don't necessarily do the training out. I know some very good trainers, who, who coaches who do it, but actually we've brought them into us to spend time with our team really thinking about different personality types and particularly thinking about how then do we uh, interact with clients. And I think one of the things that most fascinating at the moment, so, you know, there are arguably many different categories. So whether you go down the uh, Myers-Briggs or whether you go down Belkin or you go down other, you know, the, the red, green, yellow, blue personality types, is that I think at the moment everybody's under stress of any description. Now, some people on one end of the spectrum really thrive on that. They are in their, you know, in their zone going, this is my, my opportunity to shine as a leader. We're going this way. I'm confident. I've got it. I've got all of you. Follow me. It's going to be great. Um, and there are others who naturally might be a bit more like that. But underlying that is uh, some quite deep seated concern. And, and, and both of them are entirely valid. The thing is that the drivers and the dynamics underlying them are slightly different from the normal corporate environment. Because, for example, I'm doing more and more uh, Zoom calls with people with their children on their knee, which is brings another whole human dynamic to things as well. Um, and, and so it is. I think it's now is the time more than ever before in terms of really understanding and building that relationship, but also having that degree of mental flex that you are working with people who are human beings going through this current situation and uh, who may not necessarily react the way you'd anticipate. So it's important to not only consider that in your planning, but also to consider that in your response. And if ever there's a time where we should never react, but always respond, now is the time. So I, I spent some time at the weekend socially distanced from some friends with three children. And it was lovely. You know, I got to see my mates. And uh, they were talking about their daughter who has now had her A-levels cancelled. I wonder whether this is changing the generation of people who now have to become better presenters. So kids now learning through channels have to have arguably more eye contact than they've ever had before, which is just interesting, interesting to think about. There's a great idea by Neil Gaiman that actually stories are the viruses. They're the intelligent beings and they just use human beings to reproduce. So in this age in which we're all focused on viruses, then maybe stories are the, the positive viruses that we can think about. Easy. What a way to end a show. Thank you so much. It's been always, it's always great. I mean, I love it when we coach uh, together. Let's do more. We should definitely do more. And you mentioned your book. So have a plug. Enjoy the plug. Tell us about your book. So my book, which you can't see right now, but I'm holding it, is called How to Speak with Confidence in Public. And I wrote it with Charlotte McDougall. It is available on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. I don't know, is there anywhere else that one buys books? But you can also find a link to it on my website if you want, which is just my name, edlush.com. Edie, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thank you to all our listeners, as always, for listening to Diversity Podcast. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, diversitypodcast.com. And that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media. 
and give us a rating or review. It really helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.